Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome, Jets fans, to the Jets podcast review show on 24-7 Sports. The New York Jets in a week five must win to stay on pace. With the rest of the AFC East, they defeat the Denver Broncos by a final of 34-16. to 16. Along with Rick Lockland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein and Rick. Um, this Jets team had a purpose out there. Not just to go out there and find a way to get a big win against a Denver Broncos team that seems to be now on the schneid, but for Casey Rogers not being available to call the defensive plays for the Jets team. Both sides of the football, including special teams, came up big, and they got this huge win not just for themselves, but for Casey Rogers, the defensive coordinator. And, you know, you hate to say it. You see a coach that's still an undisclosed ailment, missing Sunday's game, Todd Bowles taking over the defensive play calling, which was rumored to be the case going back several weeks that Todd Bowles was going to all of a sudden start taking over the defensive play calling. And sure enough, Rogers remained as a defensive coordinator. He remained as the mainstay along the sidelines. But after this illness that uh, befell him and forced him to be hospitalized, Todd Bowles had no other choice. And I felt, and look, I, I want to put his personal and health issues aside. I hope Casey Rogers has a speedy and full recovery but I just felt from a football standpoint, just watching this team being there live at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, that defense played with a renewed sense of energy. Maybe part of that was due to their defense coordinator uh, being not well enough to be at the game. But I thought Todd Bowles did a fantastic job of keeping the Broncos' offense off balance. The Jets' defensive line, led by Leonard Williams, who coming into the contest had one sack, had two sacks for the ball game. They were getting after Case Keenum. They were mixing in uh, a beautiful blend of blitzes and playing some soft coverages in certain situations so for me uh, you know you hate to say it because you don't want anybody to be injured or have an illness or miss time as a head coach but I felt that having Todd Bowles making those defensive play calls made all the difference for this team and that is the direction they should go moving forward yeah very true Rick very true and thankfully for the Jets and you got to say at least uh, a first quarter to forget, a first quarter to forget for the Jets because that was probably a very poor start to this one, and you're thinking to yourself, they haven't learned from the mishaps in weeks three and four. But thankfully, though, after the first quarter ended and the Jets were down 7 nothing to the Broncos, and obviously uh, this time it's Bilal Powell gets stripped as he was trying to make a run, and you're thinking to yourself, didn't we just have enough of this stuff? Didn't, don't we have enough of these things? Shouldn't this be you know, over with? But you know what? Let me just say this. Let me just say this. They came back big time to start that second quarter after stopping Denver on their third possession, and what a great way to show the entire Jets fan base 
We hear you. We're not going to allow this to happen. And an explosion of a run by Isaiah Crowell that started that miracle 219-yard rushing day that he had. 15, 16 carries, 219 yards, breaking the Jet single-game record of most yards rushed that was once held by Thomas Jones. An amazing day and an amazing run by Crowell to tie that game up at seven. And you go back to that game, and I remember it vividly with Thomas Jones at that time setting the Jets' single-game rushing mark, a game in which the Jets actually lost to the Atlanta Falcons because Mark Sanchez threw five interceptions. So I'm not going to take Jet fans down memory lane, painful memory lane at that, but you flash forward to this game, Isaiah Crowell breaking off that long touchdown run. I mean, to see him in a big way create some explosive running plays for this offense and Sam Darnold finally answering the prayers of the fan base. I don't know whether maybe into uh, Jeremy Bates' headset, maybe our podcast was broadcasted uh, into his uh, computer when he was putting together the offensive game plan because he did exactly what we asked for. He looked for Robbie Anderson on deep throws. You saw the 77-yarder and the the 35-yard strike that were both touchdown catches that basically inspired uh, fear in the heart of opponents and backed them off the line of scrimmage, created running lanes. I, you know, I just felt like Darnold had it in him. We, we didn't see it from him from a consistent basis, the ability to complete the deep ball. They had a couple of chances that went awry against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he and Sam Darnold connected just absolutely fabulously with Robbie Anderson. And you see Anderson, when you send him down the field on some of those streak routes, he is four or five, sometimes six steps ahead of the next closest defender. And the Jets would be foolish if they wouldn't take advantage of his speed in those situations. So when you have a home run hitter in the passing game in Robbie Anderson, as well as in the running game in Isaiah Crowell, you have to do everything in your power to try to set both of these players up to, be, to positions to succeed. And for a young quarterback to have explosive uh, players like that in both the run and passing game is just fantastic. So for me – this was a game that, frankly, in that first quarter you mentioned, they looked like they didn't come out with any energy. Denver went up 7 nothing early. You had Bilal Powell, second play of the game, fumbling the ball deep in Jets territory. And after that point, it seemed like the Jets just needed to be punched in the mouth before they woke up, got their P's, uh, P's and Q's in order, and play, got down to business and played fantastic football because that's what they did for basically the remaining uh, 55 minutes of the game is they were just dominating the Broncos for every stretch of the imagination. So for me, this was a game I didn't see coming. I thought could easily go in the other direction where the Jets would be blown, have the doors blown off and then head for one and four. But now sitting at two and three, along with the Buffalo Bills being two and three and both the Dolphins and the Patriots at three and two, I mean, the Jets are very alive in the AFC playoff mix. And frankly, you know, with a win over the Indianapolis Colts, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. But if they're able to take care of business at home against a talented but banged-up Indianapolis Colts team, they could be tied atop the AFC East alongside the Dolphins and alongside the Patriots, a three-way tie at the top of the division. And frankly, who would have thought that just a week or two weeks ago? that the Jets entering week seven of the NFL season could potentially be in a three-way tie for first place in the division. That's really interesting, Rick, to see. And once again, it's still early in the NFL, but if you really think about it, it's not really early at all. We're already a quarter of the season done, a quarter of the season gone, I should say. And then all of a sudden, here we go. We got the Jets with the opportunity now to actually get back into a possible playoff race, Uh, not just – 
with you know opponents with the rest of the conference, but possibly a divisional race because they haven't played the Dolphins for the second time. They haven't played the Patriots twice. They haven't played the Bills twice. So they still have an opportunity here to put themselves into great position. But right now, right now, they're two and three. They're looking okay so far. And to see Darnold go out there and performing the way he did, first things first, before we get even to Darnold, and then we get back to, of course, Robbie Anderson, it has to be said, if not for the poor punt by the Broncos, the poor punt by uh, Mr. Colby Wadman that put the Jets at their own 23-yard line, and then a great block by Chris Herndon to allow Crowell to just break through for 77 yards, then you know what? Maybe we're not even talking about how the Jets are going to win this game. And even if you think about it, and first of all, that was only one play for 77 yards, time of possession, 12 seconds. If you get to combining both chunk yard plays for touchdowns, the 77-yard touchdown run by Crowell, and then Robbie Anderson on third and nine, and then there is Sam Darnold, Once you see the replay that Robbie Anderson makes that juke move on Roby, when you see him make that juke move on Bradley Roby, he's gone. You knew there was separation. The only question is, can Darnold get the ball to him? And even though the pocket was almost collapsing on him, it was on the way of collapsing on him, what a throw by Sam Darnold. And plenty of space for Robbie Anderson to make that grab. Down the races he goes. He's not going to get caught. And then he does the layup once he gets over the goal line. And if you think about that, Rick, just for a second here, really just for a second, you have over 143, 153 yards actually, 153 yards combined for four plays, time of possession, just over a minute and two seconds. That is incredible between the possessions the Jets had between how they stopped the Broncos. And, of course, Leonard Williams, we'll get back to him in another minute, but he made a big, big sack on third and eight against Case Keenum. You're talking about a Jets offense right now that is potent, very potent. When they turn it on, when they compete the right way, they are damaging to the opposition for four full quarters the Lions know this and now the Broncos know this and this was an exact case of the Jets two most prolific offensive weapons them finally realizing their potential and them implementing them into the game plan and Sam Darnold and the offense going out and executing it just to give you an example Isaiah he through four games had 171 rushing yards in week five alone, he had 219. So it just shows you that if they're they're setting him up in situations to succeed, that he can make a major impact on the game. And it goes hand in hand. Robbie Anderson, 108 yards receiving through four games in the season. He was a major, major question mark as far as was he going to be the same player he was back in 2017. Well, in this game alone, he had 123 receiving yards. And I think a lot of that was from a coaching standpoint was they were not finding ways to get them involved in the game plan that when you hit a long run for Isaiah Crowell, it's going to open up the passing game and vice versa with it. Robbie Anderson opening up the running game. And I just felt like Sam Darnold had the, had this in him all along. If the 
the offensive coaching staff would just trust him and give him the ability to do this. This is the kind of quarterback he can eventually evolve into and be. So for the Jets in this game, a game in which started pretty much an inauspicious start, you thought, here we go again. This is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars contest all over again. And the Jets came out and just blew the doors off the Broncos. You know, you've had very unusual seasons so far. I mean, week one, the Jets looked like absolute world beaters. I mean, they looked like they could be not only a playoff contending team, but could challenge the Patriots for the division. And then three short weeks later, three straight losses. In those three games, they don't even have as many points combined as they did in week one. And you're thinking, well, they're coming crashing down to earth. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a top five draft pick this year. Todd Bowles is going to be gone. And just when a lot of Jet fans had started giving up hope and a lot of Jet fans had already started uh, punching Todd Bowles' ticket out of town, they come up with this terrific offensive and defensive performance, putting up, uh, of course, 36 point, 34 points on the board. And you, you just don't know what Jet team is going to show up week in and week out. You know, if you're a Jet fan, you have to have some cautious optimism because – they came out like world beaters in week one. They basically looked uh, like a, a beaten down offense and a defense that looked pretty clueless in weeks two through four. And here in week five, they look like uh, they did in week one. So you want to see a level of consistency. You want to see them replicate this performance week in and week out and start to pile on victories, you know, two, three victories at a time to start building some confidence, get this team back to an over 500. So, you know, while Jet fans are excited, they were thrilled with the team's performance, they finally were doing a lot of the things the fan base is asking of them. It's just one game. And if they're unable to sustain it over a two, three, four game period, that that's just going to be exactly what it is. The Jets are going to have one good game followed by three bad games and then another good game again. And that's not a recipe for success. It's not a recipe for playoffs. And it's certainly not a recipe for Todd Bowles to keep his job with the Jets. Absolutely correct, Rick. And I think while the Jets finally showed what they are made of, the truth of the matter is this. You cannot rest on your laurels and assume that you're going to do this again if you don't do it again. Because the Jets right now are in a position of, as we've already said, there's an opportunity once again for the Jets to get back into the playoff race and possibly for you know the division is back up for grabs. It all depends on what they do next week against Indianapolis Colts because they're going to sleepwalk against the Colts. And I've said this many, many times already. The New York Jets cannot allow themselves to go one and two in this three-game homestand. This is just game one right now. Game one's in the books. It's a win. You've got another home game next Sunday, this coming Sunday, against Indianapolis. You beat Indianapolis. Then you're going to try, and you need to get at least a third win if possible against Minnesota when they come in. If they go 2-1, and one, but they get the first two done, third one's up for grabs. We'll see what happens. But at least, Rick... If they can go 3-3 three and three or 3-4 three and four in these next two games, depending on what happens, the Jets are at least in the driver's seat. You don't want to see them get a loss, but at least you understand that at least they're not in the position that they are going to embarrass themselves where they could go 1-2 and two, or having to fight through that third game against Minnesota because Minnesota's looking like a pretty damn good team right now. 
And, you know, this, again, you look back at some of those Jet losses. I mean, that Cleveland game, a play here, maybe a personal foul penalty that's not taken could have changed the complexion. So what could have been maybe a one- or two-game slide evolved into a three-game losing streak. And that really is the razor-thin margin for victory in the NFL. And for a Jet team that, again, they can't overlook anyone. I don't care Indianapolis Colts, certainly not the Minnesota Vikings. They they can't count any of their eggs before they hatch because – this it starts and ends week uh, five this week on Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry, week uh, six, I should say, against the Indianapolis Colts. And ultimately, this is a, a contest that, you know, the, Andrew Luck historically against the Jets, he has struggled, whether it's been against Todd Bowles, even going back to the Rex Ryan days, the Jets have shown an ability to get after the quarterback to confuse Andrew Luck with different blitz schemes. So, I like the Jets in this matchup. I think it, it bodes well for them, and it's a favorable matchup. But, again, it's a, a case of Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know what Jet team is going to show up, and that is going to be just absolutely key for Todd Bowles. Is If he wants to keep his job, if he doesn't want to be measured by wins and losses, that's fine. But if they're going to be so sporadic and so up and down, win one, lose three, win one, lose three, that to me doesn't set up for, for success for future seasons. So if Todd Bowles wants to hang around, wants at least a chance to prove himself with a better roster starting next year, he's going to have to get this team uh, to win two games, to win three games in a row and show some signs of improvement and some signs of consistency because that's really what the Jets are trying to build here. They're not trying to uh, build, get lightning in a bottle with Sam Darnold and, and sneak into the playoffs and make a run for a one- or two-year span. They want a team that's sustained for success for five, six, seven, eight, ten years and they have the type of quarterback to make that happen. They've got to make some crucial decisions in free agency this upcoming year to put pieces into place. But the evaluation process has already started for Todd Bowles, whether he's going to be part of the solution or part of the problem. And, again, you know, if I'm Todd Bowles, especially a defensive-minded coach, and I know he loves Casey Rogers going back to their days with the Miami Dolphins, the Dallas Cowboys, now with the New York Jets, I would want to take the fate in my own hands and start uh, – being more involved in the defensive side of the ball, more in tune with the defensive play calling and take that over. Because, again, the way Rodgers has, has organized the defense, weeks one through four was not exactly spectacular. And Todd Bowles has shown that when he's in there and he's making play calls, he, he has an idea of what he's doing and the, de- and the defense is responding to him. So I hate to you know harp on the same point over and over again, but I do think that's going to be critical to the Jets' success is those defensive second-half adjustments that we did see in week five that did not happen in weeks two through four. Absolutely, Rick. Let's get back, of course, reviewing this game. Robbie Anderson with another touchdown grab, and, of course, this one's for 35 yards. But still, though, to see Robbie Anderson this time being covered very well by Reggie by, uh, by Roby. I almost called him Reggie Roby. <laughs> but um, to see Robbie Anderson – just ignore the way that Roby tried to cover him. And he makes that over-the-shoulder catch, runs all the way back inside the tunnel uh, just so, you know, he can uh, avoid the paparazzi and everything. You know, you, you got to give amazing credit to Robbie Anderson and how he is able to admit and say, you know what, what I did over the offseason was wrong. I, I want I wanted to work with my new quarterback. I want to be uh, there for my quarterback. I want my quarterback to know that I'm there for him. I worked hard to make sure I get those touchdown throws. 
we all know he was his. We all know that Josh McCown always used Robbie Anderson as his favorite target, his number one receiving target, and there was no Anunua. And in this game, if you think about it, Anunua, even though he dropped some of the balls, he was covered very well because why? Because the Broncos felt that Anunua is Sam Darnold's favorite receiver. And what happens now? Well, guess who's guess who's Darnold's new favorite receiver right now? It's Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson, what a game he had against this Broncos side. What a big game he had making these plays. Three receptions for 123 yards, two of the three receptions for touchdowns. One of them was just a yard shy of a first down. Targeted five times, made three catches. His longest was, of course, the 76-yard catch and grab and running all the way to the end zone for that first touchdown of his out of the two. And don't forget as well, Rick, Robbie Anderson, that's his second two-touchdown game in the NFL in his career. And I don't care who it is, whether it's Malcolm Butler, Richard Sherman, any of these top-flight cornerbacks. And Robbie Anderson gets a free release off the ball. He puts his foot in the ground, and he decides that he's going to just outrun his opponent. I don't think there's a single player in the NFL that can catch him. And the Jets have to use him and fully utilize him. And I felt, you know, maybe some of these offseason problems were preoccupying him. They might have had a, uh, taken a mental toll on Robbie Anderson because, look, we've seen far too many times with these players when they don't have their life in order off the field that sometimes that carries over and trickles into their on-field performance and serves as a, as a distraction. So it had to be pretty liberating for him and, and a relief that he was freed of all charges. The NFL is not going to pursue any type of fines or suspensions, and now he can just go out, he can do what he loves, he can contribute to the Jets and play football, and that's exactly what he did. And, you know, they interviewed Sam Darnold, the Jets beat reporters following the game, and Darnold said that him and Anderson specifically have been putting in extra repetitions after practice, before practice, during practice, to try to get on the same page and to try to make it work to develop the chemistry and even Dartle noted that he's starting to catch on to Anderson's rhythm, to some of his uh, his knacks for you know where he likes the ball, to catch him in stride and when he's going to go deep and when he's going to make a, a route adjustment and maybe break it off early. So these are all things, and it's a constant uh, relationship that's evolving and I think going to improve throughout the season. But the Jets, I felt, neglected uh, looking his way the first four weeks of the season. And now that they've connected several times, they're building confidence. They're inspiring a lot of fear in the heart of opponents. I mean, this this could be a major breakthrough for this Jet offense that, again, you, you have a player that constantly, any given play, can, can take the top off a of defense, can beat everybody downfield. You have to account for that. And if the Jets are making that a legitimate threat, that's going to open so much more in the running game. I know you said that Anunua was prior to week five uh, was Sam Darnold's favorite target. And look, that very well may still be the case, but with Robbie Anderson's deep threat ability and big play ability, that's going to open up things for Anunua. Uh, I liked what the Jets did as far as their strategy to block Bradley Chubb as well as Von Miller was basically going two and three tight ends, getting the extra blocker in there to give Sam Darnold time. And I thought he was – protected exceptionally well in this game. He was clean in the pocket. You had Von Miller did make that one play, the tip ball at the line of scrimmage for Sam Darnold's only interception. But by all accounts, I thought the Jets' offensive line did terrific, and it's because they were balanced offensively. They didn't get behind 
by double digits early, and they were able to sprinkle in a nice balance of run and big passing plays. And, and that, I mean, it's clear as day. That's going to be the, the recipe for success moving forward. And you only hope the Jets can learn from this performance and try to duplicate it week in and week out for the rest of the season. Rick, we have uh, Michael Cohen on from 24-7 Sports as well through our Jets page. Mr. Cohen, go ahead. Your opinion, please. Well, I got one thing to say, and one thing to say mm-hmm. only. Mm-hmm. And that is, it looks like it is the end of the New York Yankees season. Well, you know, that's <laughs> Michael, 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 we're not talking about that. Come on now. Michael. I'm sorry about that. Sorry about that, folks. We uh, cannot uh, we cannot mix and match uh, baseball with football. So all I can do is is just say sorry about that. We'll have to uh, have Mr. Cohen back on at another time. So uh, all I can do is is just move on. But um, let me just say this: the Jets right now, Rick are in a uh, good place right now. And uh, all you can do is right now is uh, see some positiveness out of this one. But still, though, it's just an absolute uh, fun thing to see when Terrell Pryor makes a big, big play to add on to the fun stuff. As he does a 20-yard catch and grab, catch and run, I should say, and he gets inside the... uh, the uh the pylon for uh for the Jets to make that score the thirty four to ten at the moment. Yeah, and you know, again, this was Sam Darnold at his best spreading the ball around to all receivers. You mentioned the Terrell prior play, twenty yard t- touchdown reception. I mean, him making that toe-tapping grab up the left sideline, the ability to secure the football, keep both feet in bounds for a player that, frankly, has not been 100% healthy. He's been hampered by a groin injury. He's had a couple rumblings in these post-game interviews with reporters where he's just not happy with his role in the offense, just feels like he's an afterthought, much like Robbie Anderson was for the first four weeks of the year. And for him to get rewarded with that touchdown – to show some signs of life and really involved in the offense, even if it's in not as much of a capacity as he would like, I think that's a positive thing for the Jets moving forward because I do feel like Terrell Pryor, look, if there's an area where Robbie Anderson maybe won't excel, it's inside the red zone where he has limited space to work. He's more effective from 15, 20 or more yards out where he can get behind defenders and where, where Terrell Pryor can be most effective are those third and short situations or the goal-to-go situations where you just want to throw the ball up for grabs and have your big-body receiver go up and get it, and that's exactly what Terrell Pryor did. So even if he has no other option uh, and no other role on this team other than to be able to uh, be a goal-line uh, you know, receiver – then at least he can contribute that. But one comment about our colleague, Michael Cohen, this Yankee game is still going on very much alive. I know we're obviously covering the Jets at this point, but um, that series is far from over as it looks like the Yankees are threatening in the bottom of the ninth inning. Well, we'll see what happens, uh, even though I think, uh, well, you know, the Yankee game, as, as nice as it is to see them rallying, I call it too little too late anyway, but we'll see what happens. But, Anyway, let me just say this, that the New York Jets right now, the New York Jets are in great position to try 
and to uh, you know get back at least to 500 if they can next week. And once again, it is a situation, as I have said many, many times, that this Jets team, as you've already alluded to, Rick, that there, you know, one, one moment, one moment can put them back into a positive. Uh, advancing into a three and three record, or they could go to two and four, which would not be uh, a smart thing right now. But still, though, it's a situation where I think the Jets need to look more and more into a positive role. Now, here's something that no one ever thought would ever happen. I think it's the most funniest thing ever, but at the same time, it's a smart play because even though the Jets are leading 34 to 16. We know that the game is well out of reach. There's no way Denver's going to come back. It's the final seconds, the final seconds of the game. And that is Marcus May making that big interception. I want to say it's a big interception. We already knew the game was over. But still, though, the uh, seeing Marcus May make that interception and basically going all the way down the field. You can tell he was running out of gas. But sadly, though, he couldn't get into the end zone. He gets tackled down at the one-yard line. And then all of a sudden, the game is over. He basically you know, wasted the clock, which is the right thing to do. But that would have been great to see him put into the end zone, even though he ran out of gas at the end of that run. And we were just leaving our seats to walk out of the stadium with the game essentially over. And Marcus May, of course, that 104-yard interception return, not for a touchdown, was the longest interception return in NFL history that didn't result in a score. And for it to end the game was just unprecedented. It was like a very uh, anticlimactic way to end the game. So if you're a Jet fan, you have to feel happy. I know Marcus May, he certainly caught some flack from Todd Bowles a fellow safety in his heyday, as well as Jamal Adams, that Marcus May had missed several games of pra- uh, several days of practice, of course, with that foot injury. He's got to get back into game shape, and it certainly showed on that play. But, again, it just was another fantastic play by the Jets' defense, an opportunistic one at that. But, unfortunately, he just couldn't finish the play, which would have just put the cherry on the Sunday for the Jets in Week 5. Absolutely, Rick. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this will do it for the Jets' podcast review show. On 24-7 Sports, the New York Jets defeating the Denver Broncos by a final of 34-16. Join us this coming Friday as we'll preview week six as the New York Jets will take on the Indianapolis Colts. For Rick Lachlan and for Michael Cohen of 24-7 Sports, this is Daniel Feuerstein. Join us this Friday at 4 o'clock. Talk to you then. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.